welcome to Big Blend Radio, where we celebrate variety and how it adds spice to quality of life. Welcome, everybody. It is January 8th, 2024, and this is the second when, uh, Monday excuse me, of the month of January, and that means it is National Fourth Graders Day. And so we thought, you know what? We've got to talk about fourth graders and kids, and that means we're going to talk about getting kids into parks across the country. You know, Nancy and I travel the country full-time on our Love Your Parks tour, documenting parks, uh, going to every kind of park from, you know, grand national parks like Yosemite, and uh, the Grand Canyon, right, uh, all the way to small community parks, even little pocket parks, because every piece of land matters for fresh air to preserve it for human enjoyment, recreation, exercise, mental health. And um, it's also better for communities and cities to have these pieces of green space, which also often protect history. So that being said, we were like, first thing is we got to call Ivan. <laughs> Ivan Levin is back on the show. He is from the National Parks Trust. And I encourage you to go to their website. It is parktrust.org. Uh, National Park Trust has been going on for over 40 years today. I think it's the 41st to Anna, 40, 41 years. Ivan, welcome back. That's right. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks for having me. And you are right. We are now in our 41st year uh, ah, of existence. I feel younger. <laughs> me too. <laughs> it makes me feel younger. No, but this is fantastic. And um, when I talk about um, the importance of parks, that's really a huge deal of what National Park Trust does, right, is really preserve those. We're going to talk about what you do for kids in parks, but preserve land is is a big part of it, right? Absolutely. I mean, it is 50% of what we do is park protection, park preservation, working very closely with the National Park Service to make sure that we are helping to not only preserve the national parks and public lands that we have, but when the opportunity arises, we look at land that's in or adjacent to national park sites. And if there's opportunities to move ownership to the National Park Service so that land is protected forever, we take advantage of that and try to work with the Park Service to make that happen. Yeah, you've done a lot. I was just going on, you know, on your site on um, under park preservation and you guys are you're doing work. I see also in the Appalachian National Scenic Trail, you know, Nancy and I like to hang out in that area. But um, all these different projects and I'm seeing you've done uh, work in what, 67 projects benefiting over 53 national parks. 35 iconic landscapes, historic, what, 35 iconic landscapes, 20 historical and archaeological sites, 23 waterways. I mean, you guys are doing a ton. That's right. You know, in our in our park preservation work, you know, it, it, we work with so many different types of land types from historical and cultural, you know, parks of significance to natural, um, natural parks to national scenic trails, national seashores. Um, and just in the last year, we've worked with sites like San Antonio Missions to Cape Hatteras National Seashore um, to help with all kinds of different issues facing those different parks, you know, nationwide. So um, we are really value our relationship with the National Park Service to help protect those public lands. And you helped expand one of our favorite parks where we used to live, uh, Joshua Tree National Park. You helped expand that park because I remember that happening, actually. Absolutely. Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, through, through our 40 year history, that's really how we started 40 years ago, um, was as a, you know, traditional land trust and where we still, um, work very much so today. Now we just have, um, more work that complements that park preservation. Um, mm. And you helped with pinnacles. Yeah. And I'm just, you, you guys, are, I, 
I'll get stuck on your website all day if I get in there too much. It's like, hey, this is so pretty. Let's go. Let's go to a park. Um, with this, I know one of the things you talk about that parks are classrooms. And so getting kids in parks, um, I think we should do them as soon as as soon as they're born. We need to get them outside, <laughs> you, know? you know, birth them and, and put them in a park kind of thing, get them get them outside for some fresh air. But you guys do a lot of programs and fourth graders. Isn't there like a national movement to get fourth graders into parks? There is. There is a national program called Every Kid Outdoors, which um, is a free pass available to fourth graders um, and their families. And it's so easy to access. Um, it's free to access. You just go to everykidoutdoors.gov. You download your fourth grade pass and that and you print it out. And that pass not only gets that fourth grader into more than 2000 um, parks and federal lands and waters across the country, but it also gets everyone in their um, car or their family into that park as well. So it really does take down, take away that financial barrier of getting into public lands and even knowing where to go. There's so many great resources on that site in addition to the past that actually, again, gets you in to, for free. It takes away that fee. That's fantastic for families, you know, because it does add up. For parents, you know, when you think about, you know, even taking kids out to fast food, you know, that it, you could walk out there with a hefty bill, depending on how many children you have, right? So this is a very budget friendly activity for families to do. Absolutely. Not only does it eliminate the entrance fee, but in some parks that don't have entrance fees, you still have to pay for parking. And so this Mm -hmm. um, pass actually eliminates all of the fees associated with that user experience. Wow. Now let's talk a little bit about Kids to Parks Day. Um, I know this is an initiative that you guys have every year. May 18th is coming up. So um, I like that we're talking about this in January because you have events going across the country. So for our audience, you know, not only parents, but for communities and, you know, people thinking, oh, we could do something in our parks or in our school, tell everybody about um what they can, you know, look forward to from May 18th and how they can get involved and start planning now. Yes, thank you. Um, So this year is actually the 14th annual Kids to Parks Day, as you said, taking place on May 18th. It's always the third Saturday of May. And it's this great national initiative that invites nonprofits, cities and towns across the country um, to invite kids and families into those local parks and waterways and public lands. And um, it really is meant to help build that relationship and just create that welcoming message that on this day, you're invited to come out and experience these parks and public lands and waters, um, you know, with a specific goal and purpose in mind, which is getting outside and just enjoying the outdoors and recognizing great local outdoor places um, to, to recreate. That's awesome. That's awesome. So people can set up and do their own program and just they can log in through the website and and be part of that. Absolutely. You can go to parktrust.org or kids to parks.org. Either way will take you to the same place. And you can um, register events if you're a nonprofit city or town. You can proclaim the day with an official proclamation if you're representing your city council or mayor's office. And if you're looking for events to attend, as we get closer to May, there will be thousands of events on our website um, that, depending on your location, will load so that you can find an event near you. But all of that is available through our website, whether you want to register, find an event, or proclaim the day. 
Ah, and when people go to your site, parktrust.org, uh, one thing you I mean, it's a huge part of what you do is getting kids in parks. And also, I know you have veterans programs as well. Uh, do you have programs for veterans and their families? We do, actually. Um, a large part of our, our engagement portfolio does involve military engagement programs. So we currently work with National Guard and Reserve families, active duties, um, military um, surviving families, Gold Star families, caregivers, really many different elements of the military community. We're engaging across the country through deep um, park experiences. And um, you can read a lot more about those experiences and stories right from our website at parktrust.org. Oh, I dig this. Now, also on your website, you have a link to download uh, your app. And that's, I think, how we first met, actually, was your Park Passport mobile app. And this is a way for kids to and families to track their adventures in parks across the country. Exactly. The Park Passport app, as you said, uh, available for download both on the Google Play Store and Apple App Store um, it not only allows you to track the parks that you visited, but also the activities that you did while at that park, all with custom graphics and badges. And it also allows you to share your photos both publicly or keep them private. But it's a great way to capture those experiences and let those memories live on. And a new element for this year is not only do we have thousands of digital resources and custom artwork and badges that you can log through this free app, but we're also adding custom badges for all 361, maybe 362 now, national park sites. So that includes your seashores, your um, national scenic trails, your national monuments, your, um, you know, all of the sites that the National Park Service manages. Um, you're able to not only log in your app, but they now will have custom badges as well. So kind of a new fun element for the app this year. Oh, that is cool. That is cool. Now, um, so we can, yeah. Now, Buddy the Bison, see, now, does he get, you know, does Buddy have his own, you know, badge that <laughs> we can... <laughs> Not yet, but that's that's a great idea. But Buddy Bison is the woolly and lovable mascot of the National Park Trust, uh, and he's been our mascot for many years now. And he really does encourage encourage kids to get outside. And so we use Buddy across our programs as a way to encourage kids and families to get out. Um, and we have a program called our Buddy Bison School Program where we engage Title I schools across the country. So uh, that's a great suggestion. I'm going to have to add that to the list. Add a Buddy Bison badge to the app. Buddy wants to be on there. And I love that it's a bison, right? Because how many of us, until we start going to parks, uh, think that a bison's a buffalo and a buffalo is a bison? Exactly. <laughs> and a bison is the official mammal of the United States. See, there it is. And um, and then there's bald eagles. Um, you know, we're recording this a couple days before um, January 8th. And actually, we're recording this on National Bird Day. Actually, our friend, um, the late great uh, Adam Roberts helped actually create National Bird Day. So every time it's January 5th, it's the first thing I think I'm like, there's something really important about this day. You know, and it's it's National Bird Day. But um, I had to laugh at your, your um, joke, the bald eagle joke. Um, that you posted on social media today. Um, I don't know if it was you, but um, who posted it? But um, yeah, the bald eagle joke is 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 pretty funny. So yeah, I think you know da dad jokes do very well on on social media. So um, you know we definitely try through our through all of our social channels, which I encourage all of your listeners to to follow us through Facebook or Instagram and and TikTok and others. Um, you know, is to to make sure that we're able to connect people to parks and public lands and waters. 
um, and do it in not only a fun, but also meaningful way. So I'm, I'm glad to know that uh, you enjoyed our, our Eagle joke today. Can, we've got to tell people now. We can't ignore this. Now I'm going to have to go make sure we tell it right, because that's the worst part, right? Is not is not saying it right. But uh, everyone, what kind of bird doesn't need a comb? Well, we just told you, didn't we? <laughs> See, I'm laughing already. and I, and I... It's funny. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, all right, moving on, because I know you have other programs, uh, youth and family programs about getting uh, kids into parks. Um, you've got a lot of different programs you do across the country, but not only do you have those programs, uh, but you also have resources. And going on your website, it seems for parents there's and teachers, there's actual tools that they can use for different projects for kids in parks. Correct. Yeah. From our website, we have a number of downloadable resources, whether it's not you want to use parks as a way to teach about water density or learn about erosion at the Grand Canyon or learn about how soldiers used to communicate during the Civil War. We have all kinds of resources that make parks as classrooms and classrooms, you know, relevant in parks. Um, And so those resources are all available on our website. Great for families, great for parents, great for kids and great for teachers and educators as well. I love it. I love it. Um, All right. So on the show, we always now have a quote of the day, which we always do on our social media. And today, um, because we're thinking about this importance of preservation of land for kids and for the future. And I know that is something, you know, when we look at climate change, um, parks are doing a really good job at interpreting climate change. You know, in fact, I think Sequoia National Park um, was one of the first parks I saw addressing actual pollution and climate change, which is uh, very interesting, especially when you look at what's happening with sequoia trees, these giant trees. uh, They've had series of fires over the last few years that have been really devastating to the park and the forest area. And, um, you know, the the fires are burning so hot that they burn down. You know, normally a, a wildfire actually helps to propagate and open up those little seeds to make these giants. But um, these fires are so hot. And so it's something about climate change to learn about. I don't know if you've been doing any programs on that at the Park National Park Trust, Ivan, in regards to climate change and teaching about it. But I think it's important because otherwise kid, for kids, it's kind of a fear factor about what life is going to be like, you know, in the few years. And um, I think getting out in nature you feel better. And when parks are interpreting things, that helps, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, our focus is making sure that um, all generations, especially younger generations, have that connection to the outdoors and the parks and public lands and waters. Um, And when people have that connection and relationship to these outdoor spaces, as they get older, they're more willing to give back. They are more interested in protecting these places um, and making sure that outdoor ethic is passed throughout their family. And so, um, you know, whether it's climate challenges or other issues facing our public lands, making sure that people have that relationship and that respect for the outdoors, which is something we um, make sure is a pillar in all of our programs, helps to mitigate some of those challenges as our planet and our population gets older. Yeah, exactly. And here's a quote from Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt. Of all the questions which can come before this nation, short of the actual preservation of its existence in a great war, there is none which compares in importance with the great central task of leaving this land even a better land for our descendants than it is for us. 
And you've got to think back way back when. I mean, that was a while ago when he really, you know, this is, goes back to the actual founding of our National Park Service. You know, when he started to really realize, you know, he had that famous, um, you know, camping trip with John Muir in Yosemite. And um, even Teddy Roosevelt National Park is, you know, n- named after him. Um, there's actually quite a few sites. And even I was thinking back even before it became, we had national monuments before the national parks, right? I think they were first. And uh, so you'll see him um, in a number of, a number of park sites across the country, even, you know, the wilderness areas. One of the first wilderness areas is, uh, and national forests is the Gila uh, wilderness area and Gila National Forest. And I think that's celebrating a big milestone this year, 2024. I think it's over a hundred years for them. I might be wrong. 150. I think it's 150, uh, years. Yeah. 120. I don't know, but I have to look it up again, Ivan, but, um, yeah, Teddy Roosevelt did a lot for our parks. He did. And you know, what's interesting about the quote you just read is that it's as relevant today as it was when Teddy first spoke those words. And so I think that's really important for, for all of us and especially your audience to, to take home is, um, the challenges, um, and with public lands that we were experiencing a hundred years ago, 50 years ago, very much are relevant and resonate today in 2024. And so um, I think it's, you know, on the responsibility of all of us to embrace the outdoors, to protect and give back to the outdoors and encourage our future generations to have that ethic as well, which I think resonates very much so with who Teddy Roosevelt was and, and what the legacy that he was hoping to leave behind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to say the Gila National Forest it is turning a hundred years old, um, and, and the Gila Wilderness Area, which is the world's first designated wilderness area, turns a hundred years old this year. That's exciting. I like centennials. That's, that's a that's a that's a biggie. Okay, so we always do a jigsaw puzzle. And I was talking about the sequoias. So uh, jigsaw puzzle of the day is from the Big Trees Trail. It's actually around Round Meadow in uh, the giant forest in Sequoia National Park in California, a place we love to go. We've seen bears, we've seen uh, deer, we've seen all kinds of little chipmunks and nut uh, nut hatchers, like those little birds. I mean, we've seen all kinds of woodpeckers. You could go out there every time, see wildflowers in the meadow. You will see something different each time, including those giant sequoia trees. It's right across uh, from their actual giant forest uh, museum and visitor center, which is a great place to go first before you go on this trail. And it's an accessible trail, wheelchairs. Uh, if you're a mom pushing, you know, your child in a stroller, it's a very easy walk. And um, there's often programs too. I know um, Sequoia Parks Foundation, also uh, Conservancy, excuse me, uh, takes people out there on naturalist walks. So um, have you been to Sequoia National Park yet, Ivan? You know, I haven't actually, but we are doing an outing there this year with um, military survivor families and Gold Star families um, later this year in 2024. So I will be at Sequoia and Kings Canyon later this year. Oh my gosh, you are going to jaw drop. Just be prepared. It's just as effective as a mic drop. It, I mean, when you drive up into there, and it's such fascinating history too, because uh, you know the very first African American uh, superintendent uh, was Charles Young. And when you drive into the park, that road is all because of him. He was acting superintendent. Mm-hmm. He was a Buffalo soldier, a very important figure in American history. And um, he was also a Tuskegee Airman, I believe, too. And um, 
he basically made this road happen while he was acting superintendent. And that's how we get into the park. If you're coming from um, the three rivers entrance, um, mm-hmm. and you can, or you go in through Kings Canyon and it's the general's highway that connects the two parks, including Sequoia national forest is in there too. So, I mean, it is a spectacular park. And as you drive up, you know, you go from the foothills and depending on the time of year, you can see wildflowers, you can see bear, um, and you drive up and all of a sudden you're in the, the avenue of the giants. And these, I mean, it is absolutely mind-blowing how big these are. And I think it's uh, definitely perfect for military families to go there. There's a General Grant tree, um, General Sherman tree, and um, yeah, you're, you're going to love it. You're going to absolutely love it. You're obviously going to do some hiking, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we'll definitely add some more time to to fully experience the park, but I am excited for this event and to be working with this very important population out there as well. So lots of good things on the horizon. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure you get the puzzle. Do the puzzle first. Okay. (laughs) Put that link and everybody, the links to the puzzle and um, the book of the day I want to touch on too. All of the links are in the show notes. Um, So we've got our puzzle down. um, Our Song of the Day is turning into an album of the day. It's called Bearings. It's by composer and traveling uh, musician Ben Cosgrove. He is an artist in residence in numerous parks across the country, forests, wildlife refuges. We first met him when he was a um, artist in residence for a month uh, with the National Parks Arts Foundation, who has a residency for artists and musicians in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. And part of the music comes from that one residency as well as his other residencies. Um, and I'll put a link to um, his interview with us that w- was at the end of last year. Um, and then we've got, you know, movies. We love movies, too. So at the end of this segment, you will hear Steve Schneikert recall the Hollywood history of national parks being movie sets for movies like Star Wars. You know, Star Wars was filmed in the Redwoods, right? And different places across the country and, and, uh, Death Valley. and in Death Valley, you know, I would have gone and hung out with R2D2 in Death Valley. You know, there's some that? great photos of the Star Wars cast, you know, out in, out in Death Valley National Park that you can um, pretty easily, easily find online. But it's always really cool to see R2D2 and C3PO, you know, in a national park. Yeah, you know, come on. It's cool stuff. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's just even The Shining was done in the National Park, parts of The Shining. I know we don't want to talk about The Shining when we're talking about little kids, right? Going into parks, but it's true. Um, okay, and the book of the day is The Great Weather Diviner. I encourage people uh, to check out this book. It is written. Uh, it, it is. We, I'm going to put a link to uh, the interview we did with Andrew Dolberg and Rob Long. Uh, the Great Weather Diviner is a young adult fantasy adventure, and it really talk about, you know, what was going on in the world of climate. This book tackles it, but it tackles it from how we can all be heroes. And I love that. Everybody likes a good hero story. And as we look about preserving land and becoming stewards, stewards of the land, you are a hero for the land. And I think that's the important thing about getting kids into parks. Not only is it good for them. But they learn to become stewards and, um, they're, you know, become heroes. And so that's a lot of the great work that you guys do, Ivan. So we really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, everyone, take care. Celebrate fourth graders. Get outside and have a good day. We'll keep up with you uh, tomorrow. You know, we'll be back January 9th. But anyway, go to parktrust.org. Thanks so much, Ivan. Thank you. 
thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio. Keep up with our shows at BigBlendRadio.com.